Welcome back to the Enjoying God podcast. We all want to enjoy God, and we're talking about how we can do that best in our lives. It's kind of like other people's sex life. We presume people have it more than we are, but the reality is it's not all that common. The word that's used to describe the serpent is that he's crafty. The fact that, that we forget about Genesis 3 is just an indicator of how crafty he is, that we're forgetting that there's actually a supernatural figure poised to keep us from God. Food poisoning. And, uh, you know, for example, I had it when it came to like a pork Don't roll. tell us too much about this. Okay, we're back. Episode 6. My name's Andrew. I'm your host. And I'm here with Nick and with James and... Guys, it's safe to say our podcast has gone viral, would you say? I think it's gone absolutely viral. Donald Trump messaged me earlier. He said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened, ever. And everybody should listen to the Enjoying God podcast. That is a terrible impersonation. You, yeah. What never, do you mean? Never do that again. <laughs> it's really that, harsh. That wasn't good. That is bad. Can we edit that out? Uh, <laughs> we, we've been overwhelmed with how many people are listening to this. And so we're excited to bring you episode six. We have been talking about how God has wired us differently as his children to enjoy God talked about prayer we've talked about Bible reading last week we bore our souls didn't we how are you guys feeling after uh, after just being vulnerable in terms of the Enneagram and your emotional life well as a number seven who avoids pain you know it's not yeah. that comfortable okay <laughs> that's right you just make <laughs> a joke right yeah, for the sake of the gospel my friends jokes. happy to bear my soul whenever you need me to <laughs> okay. yeah well we are back this week and this week we're talking about the spiritual battle that's going on over our joy in God. Nick, what's this spiritual battle? Well, the spiritual battle for your joy has been raging since the beginning of the world. Mm. It's right there in Genesis. God makes the heavens and the earth. He makes man and woman unique in his image. And you immediately get to Genesis 3 and there's this figure, the snake. And he, he lies and deceives and seeks to derail humanity from the path that God has set out for them. And that fundamentally is our joy when we talk about enjoying God. It's interesting that word good is mentioned so many times in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis. You know, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then Satan comes along and questions that, is God actually good? Has he, uh, are you missing out that sinful FOMO that mm-hmm. he whispers in Eve's ear and Adam's yeah, you know, and and that is really what God wants us to enjoy Him and enjoy this world that we've made. But Satan's goal is that we don't, that uh, we don't enjoy God, or we enjoy what God has made in all the most wrong ways, yeah, or inappropriate that's right. ways. That's right. And so that it's amazing. I just amazed that those first three chapters of the Bible, how much they play out in our world today. Yeah, yeah. I often think that we look at Genesis 1 to 3 as this, you know, wonderful story that tells us kind of how life began, but we kind of forget about it as Christians. You're like, yeah, yeah, no, I know that Adam and Eve ate from the fruit and the, the Satan was there, and but it's playing out even today that, you know, the word that's used to describe the serpent is that he's crafty. The fact that, that we forget about Genesis 3 is just an indicator of how crafty he is, that we're forgetting that there's actually a supernatural figure poised to keep us from God. Mm. And that's because God wants you to enjoy him. I mean, enjoy one another. Like that's this, this theme which we're in for this year as a church, enjoying God, is not just limited to 2020, but it is really the theme of the Bible, to enjoy right relationship mm. with God and enjoy the world that he's made. But Satan 
God's goal. I mean, Satan hates God and he hates anyone who follows God. That's it. And so his number one, I always see Satan as like a sociologist in terms of studying human behavior. Culture. He's trying to work out what, what is this culture? How can I get this culture to steer away from God? How can I get them to believe that line that he whispered to Eve's ear, did God really say dot, 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 and that questioning, that questioning. And I do it, we do it as a society of God is ripping me off. Yeah. He is not for my joy. Absolutely. He wants me to be bored or uh, he's a killjoy or whatever it is. Yeah. That is Satan's goal. I think Satan's very happy with the unbeliever who is you know, completely blind to the reality of God. That's his number one goal. But I think he's also very happy when Christians are distracted and aren't fixing all of their affections, all of their heart, all of their desire upon God. I mean, you look at the beginning, there's this beautiful line that I always come back to, that, that God actually walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the garden. It's, I just can't imagine what that would have been like to just walk side by side with the infinite one. And that that's what we were made for. And John Piper has this beautiful line. He says, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. Our joy and God's glory are so intimately intertwined. And we just need to recognize that it's not just the non-Christian who has been deceived, but that we each day are being deceived and distracted. I mean, look at just look at the way that Western cultures engineered advertisement, just throwing sexuality, throwing the next product that will make you satisfied, make you happy, even if you don't buy into it. It's just a barrage of, of lies that's trying to derail you. And I think is, I mean, when I look at my own life, it's so easy to enjoy sin. You know, that <laughs> like sin is so easy to enjoy at first. You know, it's easier to lie. It's easier to think of myself first. It's easier to be greedy. It's, you know, and there's a quick joy that you get from that. Yeah. And, and so Satan, when he tempts, he's not basing it on nothing. Uh, he, he, he understands our brokenness. And what our and our weakness, and he knows that. I guess God has made these things good in the sense of uh, his, his world is good, and so he knows there's a goodness in it. But I guess there's a problem when the goodness becomes idolatry, and and we think this is the chief way of my ultimate happiness, my ultimate yes. joy. Um, I'm thankful you said that, James, because I think there's a danger that we just say, oh, sin is just uh, a failure to enjoy what we should enjoy, and we forget to talk about. Our, our actual rebellion and our, our rebellious hearts and our simple hearts. It's not just that we haven't loved what we should love. I mean, it is that, but there is, there is a brokenness in there where we've rebelled against God's good commands. Mm. All right, that's just Genesis 3 again. What, what was it that the serpent deceived Adam and Eve with? It was to go and eat from this tree and discover good and evil mm. independent of God. Sin yes. is fundamentally trying to forge a life and a a meaning and seeking to have all the good things of God without actually including God into the picture. Mm. And so like, that's totally what the serpent's about even today. So I've been thinking as us as a church, right, with this year of enjoying God is he will look at our church and individuals at our church and think uh, with, uh, with our goal, our theme is we want to enjoy God more. And the theme for Satan when it comes to our church is I want uh, Church Brother Bridge Hunter Gusson to enjoy God less. Hmm. Uh, and so he's on about that. So that's that spiritual battle that's happening, wow. which often we don't think about. 
but that is, and so he'll use COVID, he'll use personal circumstances, he'll use discontent, whatever it is. He's got a range of tools. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Uh, but his goal and, uh, is to get us to not enjoy God. And I, the thing that I keep coming back to is in that garden, he didn't come to Eve and Adam with a wad of cash or a bunch of porn magazines to tempt them. He came with that idea. Wow. And that idea is really just sticking in our heads of did God really say, did God really say. And it's amazing how many times that is whispered in my head and I think most of our listeners as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a bit of a spectrum when it comes to thinking about Satan and our desire to enjoy God. There's one side of the spectrum which says you just completely forget about him. You just go about life and, you know, live mm. the Christian life as you live it and whatever happens is whatever happens. But then on the other side is this awareness and maybe overemphasizing this picture in Revelation where Satan is defeated. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a truth that Christians need to hold to that Satan ultimately loses. Right. The, the end has already been proclaimed, but we make a mistake when we think he's powerless because of that. Yeah. We need to know that he's defeated in the end, that King Jesus reigns victorious, but we still have to have our eyes open that right now he's still at work to try and deceive We're us. We're in the battle. We're in the battle. Yeah. And so probably one of the best tools God has given us in this battle is repentance in this spiritual battle against sin. James, do you want to talk a little bit about that and, and how repentance leads to joy in God? Yeah, because I guess you've got two options. You can either enjoy God or enjoy sin. You can't have both at the same time because God is not sin. God is holy. And so uh, the only way in which, uh, well, in terms of becoming a Christian is is that repentance of sin in terms of turning, to put it simply, to go from I'm not going to enjoy sin anymore. Sin is not my master. Jesus is my master. Um, I'm going. To, this is not the way I'm going. And repentance, I guess, is that U-turn. I'm not going to follow sin. I'm going to follow uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's when you become a Christian and, uh, and the Spirit's work in your life and uh, brings that about. But that doesn't just... I think as Christians, we... Confuse it in terms of I repented something when I become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then... It's done. Don't do it again. I uh, don't need to do it again yeah. uh, unless I might have a prodigal son moment or whatever it is. Mm. But that's a lie mm. because uh, we need to continue as Christians repent of sin, not in the sense that uh, when it comes to conversion, but because we're in relationship with God, we're seeking to enjoy Him, the forgiveness that uh, has been given to all our sins, he washes them completely. But because we're in right relationship with God uh, and we do have this tendency to go back to sin, to dip our toe back into that um, that world, uh, repentance is that, again, that reminder saying, God, I'm sorry, uh, I'm following sin, I want to follow you. Mm. And it's acknowledging that we're grieving God, we're in relationship with God um, and it honours that as well. And am I right that that restores our joy in God because we're reminded of his grace when we do that, we're reminded of his love. When we come, come to him in repentance, we think about what Jesus has already done for us on the cross and that our sins in the past, the present and the future are forgiven and we're his children. Yeah, totally. I mean, I usually, one example is like food poisoning. So if you never had food poisoning and, uh, you know, for example, I had it when it came to like a pork roll 
Don't tell us too much about this. Anyway, I had a pork roll. I won't go into details, but I had a pork roll, one of those Vietnamese ones. Yeah. And had it and then afterwards, like, oh, felt rotten. For me, I can never go back to pork rolls. I just I can't. And that's sort of becoming a Christian in terms of that awareness that the Spirit has in your life of, actually, I don't want to go back to sin. Mm. Uh, because sin always, well, sin leads to death mm. uh, and, and sickness. And so there, there's that analogy. But sometimes, even though we know it's bad, we'll go back to the pork rolls. Yes. Right. We'll go back and it will, uh, in, in this illustration, it's always going to make us sick because mm. it's, it's contaminated. Yeah, the biblical image is like a dog that returns to its vomit, right? Mm. Beautiful. That's yeah. it. Well, not beautiful, but no, that's no, no. The point. It's not a beautiful image, <laughs> but it's a beautiful connection. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's because we're deceived by Satan. We're deceived by ourselves and we forget who we are. We forget where our, our identity as God's children who have been washed clean. Yes. And yet we go back to the, to the vomit, to the poor. Well, and if crawls. we just leave it there, it, it feels very bleak and doom and gloom, right? That, you know, Satan's out there. I'm sinful in my heart. The world's distracting. Everything's engineered that I wouldn't enjoy God. But there, the whole point of the gospel is that there is consistent hope. Um, sin will continue to be present in our lives as long as we breathe air on this earth until Jesus returns. But I think that key of turning from sin in repentance is when our joy is restored. I think often of Galatians 5, where you've got these, these, these strong commands to, to put sin to death and to live in a new way. But then you've got this contrasting picture of the fruit of the Spirit, something that you don't actually do. It's something the Spirit does in you. Mm. And one of those fruit is joy yeah okay we're going to come back after the break and talk more about how the holy spirit transforms us We're convinced that we are in the middle of a spiritual battle for our joy in God. What does that look like? Yeah, I think when you are in this battle, uh, particularly you've been a Christian for more than three minutes, I <laughs> think you can either feel a bit deflated by it, uh, where you either had previous experience when you first became a Christian. That's a great moment, you know, when you realize by grace you're saved and, and there's that euphoric moment. And so, but the longer you're a Christian, uh, sometimes, well, it is, it's a hard journey as a Christian, you know, that it's a, it's, uh, you know, if you've been a Christian 10, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, the longer you're a Christian, uh, either there's obviously persecution and, and, the, and the suffering of this world, but also when your own personal enjoyment of God will go in waves, you know, there's mm. waves where you're really loving the Lord and there's times when you're like, oh... I don't feel all that close. And so often I think a danger for us as Christians is to hunt down those ecstatic, euphoric experiences. Yeah. Uh, trying to, uh, sometimes we force them, sometimes we go looking for them, uh, or sometimes we think, uh, if I have them, that's when I really enjoy God. I think when it comes to those supernatural, euphoric experiences... Look, it's kind of like other people's sex life. We presume people having it more than we are, but the reality is it's not all that common. 
uh, I think, uh, in the sense that you just, uh, like, it's not a, when you even look at the Bible, this, those supernatural euphoric experiences mm. are there, but they're not the bread and butter of the day today. Yeah. Well, right. And they're uh, not necessarily. Um, I love your analogies, James. Yeah, that was, you know, that was profound. Thank well, you I wasn't sure that. where you were going, but yeah. He landed that oh, point. Oh, who knows? Yeah. In the Bible, you look at all of these enormous, beautiful, supernatural moments, and God continues to use them today. I think we're thoroughly convinced of that, that the Holy Spirit is still at work in really powerful ways. But primarily, he's doing that to witness to the world of his power and reality and for the gospel to go forward. Um, I don't know that that's, yeah, like you said, the, what we should expect in the consistent, regular daily rhythms of the Christian life to find our joy. Rather, there's something more um, consistent in our spiritual life that we ought to so be. So we've got to for. keep coming back to the realities that we know are true in Christ, that we have been saved if we trust Christ, we are forgiven, we're his children, and that's our identity. Our feelings can come and go, but that doesn't change the reality. Right. Yeah, but even like uh, I'm thinking of miraculous moments, right? Sometimes we can. Go, I was part of the healing service in in the city for a number of years, and there was a, a beautiful moment where people, uh, some people had been healed miraculously, and they'd done great things for their faith, but a whole bunch of people hadn't, and they still had a great deal of joy yeah. in the way that they went about their relationship with God, and because uh, though they hadn't experienced those kind of supernatural things, they still delighted in God because it was that reminder um, of who God is mm. despite my circumstances, that kind of thing. So yeah. being part of that ministry was a real ministry to me in terms of the different, particularly the heightened extreme of a bad diagnosis, all those kind of things, what God speaks into that. Totally. I think maturity in Christian faith often looks like persevering through difficulty mm. and actually experiencing joy in the middle of it. I mean, I think we'd all agree that the Apostle Paul is a spiritual giant amongst us. And even at the end of his ministry, he talks about how he had a thorn in his flesh from Satan. So again, there's that supernatural war thing going on. Mm. But God actually took that thorn, didn't take it away, and used it for Paul's good. And so he says... Um, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's his experience of God, that in his weakness and difficulty, without the miraculous taking away of the problem, he actually experienced more of God's power and more of God himself. Mm. Yeah. So I think there's, a, in terms of seeking it, I think God brings it into your life. There's uh, what I want to call miraculous supernatural things. And we can pray for them and ask them, but... Uh, that's God's business in some ways uh, because they're signs and ones to show of his power. When it comes to us and our enjoyment of God, particularly the supernatural power, in terms of what is in our control, uh, I think is that, what I was saying before, that battle we're in where it comes to enjoying God or enjoying our sin. Um, the good news is we're not doing it solo. Mm. God is with us, the Holy Spirit. And this is the supernatural element. Yeah. Is... God has not just only saved us and say, all right, good luck. I'll see you on the other side when you die. No, he is saying, uh, I've saved you and I'm with you in this battle yeah. because I'm so uh, committed to you rightly enjoying me. Yeah, uh, And that's the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is he is so for us that he is transforming us to in those battles to not enjoy um, sin, to see it as a bad taste in our mouth, yes. to know that there's always forgiveness to know uh, that he is changing us even ways that we don't see. Mm. And that supernatural 
in the most ordinary and extraordinary ways. And because of his supernatural work in our lives by spirit, we can say no to sin. You know, we lie to ourselves and think we can't, but we actually can and we can grow. Yeah, I, I think often Christians are looking out at the horizon, waiting for this supernatural moment to fall down, when if they just looked down and looked closely at their own lives, they'd realize that every single day of their Christian life is a supernatural one. Mm. The reality is no one would come to faith apart from the, the resurrection of the Holy Spirit. That's what Ephesians 2 says, you were dead, but he raised you mm. in Christ. And then there's this sense that after that, you were in bondage to sin. It's like there were chains around your neck and your hands and your arms, but by the power of God, by the power of the Spirit, that those fetters have been released and suddenly you're free. Mm. Now, does that mean that sin's no longer present? No, sin, we're still on a journey, but sin no longer has that power over you. Why? Because the Spirit is within you, yeah. present in your life. And every single day, it's this theology we talk about of sanctification. God is the one who is changing you. You aren't changing yourself. He's the one who's just like a sculptor, got his little chisel yeah. out, and he's just chiseling away day by day by day. Uh, an analogy I often use in youth ministry is like, you're like a headland with waves crashing upon you day after day after day. It's like the word of God when you soak yourself in it. You know, you might not see the initial um, change every single day. But as you look back over time, you just see yourself forming more and more into the person you were meant to be. And that's helpful what you just said, because growth is slow. And yeah. often people, um, you know, look back on last week. Am I more like Jesus this week than I was last week? And that can be really defeating. But look back on, are you more like Jesus at the same time last year? And that's a good indicator. Am I growing? Has God been working in my life? Ask a friend, ask a pastor, ask... Uh, someone, a brother or sister in Christ who can tell you and help you see the ways in which you've grown. And I think the other thing to say there on, on just the, the time factor in terms of growth is often uh, you know, as we grow, we can feel like we're actually going backwards because mm. as we grow in Christ, God keeps revealing to us our sin yes. and our brokenness and how much more we have to go to become like Jesus. And we are growing, but it feels like we're going backwards because yes. of that. But that's actually a sign that God's been working in our hearts supernaturally. So using an example, I think of my marriage with my wife Charlotte, there are moments, uh, we call them honeymoon moments, where, and often you've gone away, uh, you're on holidays, everything's are good, mm. and you're like, oh yeah, this is great, enjoying mm. marriage. And, but it's easy in those times. And as a Christian, you know, maybe the Christian conference, uh, maybe uh, there's the certain song or whatever, in terms of it's easy to enjoy God in those moments. Uh, they're of what are called the honeymoon moments, but it's there's another type of I will call honeymoon moment in a marriage where you, you know, I'm using me's example. Like I've uh, I've said something uh, that's really hurt Charlotte. You know, my problem is I speak first and think, <laughs> which is not great. And and so dealing with that in terms of that repentance, that saying sorry, and through entering that pain, through into that confession, on the other side of that, after there's reconciliation, forgiveness. There's a honeymoon moment. There's a, a unity, a, a bliss of enjoying one another's marriage. And I think it's the same with God, mm. where you go through that pain of admitting, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, I'm sorry, God, of owning your sin, coming to him and confessing. And on the other side of that is a honeymoon moment with God in the sense of enjoying him because that's a reminder that though I've done something wrong, on the other side of that of forgiveness and repentance yes. is a greater awareness of he actually really loves me yes so how do we practice that regularly you know that repentance owning our sin coming before god reminding ourselves of the gospel and his forgiveness and his grace uh 
confessing and repenting? How do we practice that on a daily basis in our lives? I think it's, I'll speak maybe more about the, uh, that, that practice. I think I, just speaking to something that I think often a hesitation before I answer that. I think as Christians, particularly in a, living in a positive uh, build up yourself self-esteem society, mm. that seeps into church where we don't want to talk about our failings. Mm. We'll talk about in terms of, no, I'm forgiven, yep. that's done. And if I t- bring up my sin, if I bring up my wrongdoing, that's then reinforcing a negative view of self or undermining something about God's forgiveness or, you know, it's, it's, it's damaging. Mm. Actually, the opposite is true. Uh, when you, as a Christian, I've been Christian for, what, 20 uh, plus years, uh, when I go on that journey of, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry, God, uh, that moment, it's painful, uh, but there's a greater awareness that in that moment that God actually has forgiven me Mm. again. Because it's easy to forgive someone when they've done something wrong once or twice. But when you've done it a thousand times, uh, it is that healthy sense of not taking the sin on myself, giving it to God, and he, that reminder of who he is, that he has forgiven me, he loves me. Yes. Even when I've been a child of God for many years, yeah. and, uh, he's, and he's still not going to kick me out of his house. Yeah, yeah. and like mm. marriage, I think it's as more and more of your walls come down and more and more of your brokenness is revealed to your partner Mm. there's more intimacy and there's more joy and I think sometimes we are almost deluding ourselves to parts of our life and our sin and we keep it from God but that's actually a a hindrance to our joy because it's when we lower all our our barriers and lower our walls before him and we just go God here I am a broken wretched sinner Mm. that's when he can do his restorative and regenerative work and that's when he can fill us with a joy that we never would have would have had before Mm. it's that naked and shame naked and without shame towards god yeah right back to genesis 3 you know adam and eve sin and it's clear that they're naked they're shamed um they want to hide themselves from god but what does god do he clothes them totally because he he's the one who will protect them and love them in that I think two th- two things that help you practice daily repentance. One of them is reading the Bible, because uh, as you read the scriptures, it's like a mirror and it shows us a brokenness before God. And so I think just as we read the scriptures daily, and this is going back to episode three or whatever it was, uh, just letting that bring us back to confession, you know, and and repenting of our sins and receiving God's transforming Spirit in our lives and His work in our lives. I think the other thing with uh, practicing repentance is is doing it with others. And we'll talk about that in our next episode. Um, uh, what a great tool God's church is to help us practice repentance, uh, whether there's brothers or sisters that keep you accountable uh, or even coming together to church and when we have that confession up on the screen, uh, letting that prompt you to self-examine yourself and lead you back to the foot of the cross. I think that's a really helpful. But what a challenge to be willing to be vulnerable and to actually in front of your brothers and sisters in Christ, oh, yeah. reveal your sin. So it's it so requires a huge thing from us. But if we're willing to do it, imagine what God might do. Yeah, and you can only do that when you remember that you have no reason to be ashamed because yes. of the cross of Christ. Yes, It frees you to actually be honest about your sins and your failings to, before other people. Yes. And it is quite a remarkable moment when you say you're tempted by Satan... Uh, to 
uh, gossip about someone. Say that line that you know would just spread. Or you're tempted to look at a, a pornographic image. You're tempted to take that bit of cash that's not... Whatever it is. And the power of the Spirit that teaches you to say no yeah. to ungodliness. And you don't say it. You don't look. You don't take it. That is a... In a sin covered world a supernatural remarkable moment yep. yeah. uh, that a Christian should have and by the power of God's spirit have more and more if we enjoy God rightfully okay well we'll be back next week with our final episode in this season enjoying God together <laughs> <laughs>